Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, elections are happening next week and the Portage and Main debate is heating up. We'll be joined by Allison Shane, spokesperson for Vote Open Winnipeg, and she'll be telling us about the benefits of opening the famous intersection. We'll also speak with Melanie Bodin, the founder and president of the Frosting Foundation, and we'll find out how they're helping to bring birthday celebrations to children who are in hospitals, one birthday box at a time. And last week, our very own Sonny Primolo went down to the Yip Fall Sustainability Conference. He spoke with keynote speakers Ashley Richard from Rising Youth and Tracy Huckle and Jarrett Olford from Green Action Center. We'll hear from them as well as many of the youth that were in attendance at the event. And finally, we'll be joined in studio by Alan Goddard. He's the director of Endow Manitoba at the Winnipeg Foundation. We're going to learn about some of the great work that's being done outside of Winnipeg when it comes to the community foundation movement that's here in our great province. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC360, Nolan and Robert coming at you from the corner of Portage in Maine. Robert, how are you doing this fine day? I'm doing not too badly, Nolan. How are you? I'm well. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling yeah. it's the sun is shining. It's beautiful out. It's it's not winter just yet. The yeah. the sun is sort it of It seems like on. winter is just around the corner though. Yeah. We have these brief snowfalls and it doesn't stay, but we know it's one day pretty soon that snowfall is going to be on the ground for uh, quite a quite yeah. some time but in the meantime let's just enjoy the sun let's enjoy the fall weather we can throw on our jean jackets and walk around and enjoy the crisp air that's not quite freezing and hurting our faces just yet and we can just enjoy winnipeg for what it is it's a beautiful beautiful part of our beautiful province and speaking of enjoying winnipeg and you know given that we are here at the corner of portage and maine I understand uh, you had the chance to learn a little bit more about uh, about why Portage and Maine, the campaign to open it, why why we should consider opening it, and also about uh, a fun festival that's happening this weekend. Absolutely, we uh, yeah. I spoke with Allison Shane. She's one of the spokespeople for Vote Open Winnipeg. Uh, I spoke to her yesterday actually, and we had a really good conversation about why it's important for the future of our city and and just for people in general nowadays, especially when it comes to accessibility of why we should open Portage in Maine. So stay tuned for that conversation. It's a really interesting one. And hopefully we can maybe change some minds because I know that there's a lot of misinformation going out there. So Allison will hopefully straighten that all out after our first musical break, which because we're talking about Portage in Maine, how about a little Dancing in the Street by Martha Reeves right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined in studio by Allison Shane. She's a local business owner for Starling Social, founder and owner of Starling Social, and one of the spokespersons, spokespeople, spokespersons for Team Open <laughs> here in Winnipeg for the Vote Open movement. Allison, thank you for joining us today. Good to be here. So we're going to talk Vote Open. We are broadcasting from the corner of Portage and Maine, where all of this discussion is centered around. So I guess my first question is, how did you get involved with Vote Open and why did you want to uh, be a spokesperson for this movement? Well, it kind of fell into my lap. So the reason that I got involved with Vote Open was, to be honest with you, I, I run a blog and I heard that the vote, that there was going to be a plebiscite vote on this issue. And I think that the Personally, I think that's a silly choice. Right. Generally speaking, the public are not informed enough to make big decisions, especially at yeah. an infrastructure level. And so I kind of wrote this post deconstructing all of the arguments that I had heard against opening it. Yeah. Like I read the 90-page Dillon report. Wow. I read like traffic reports. It was nuts. Uh-huh. And so I put this thing out there and it kind of went viral. It's been seen like 30,000 times oh, wow. or something. And then I was contacted by Adam Dooley, who's one of our other spokespeople, and he was just like, look, a bunch of us, like, I read your post, we need to do something about this, let's get a group together and form an action committee. So I kind of just assumed a spokesperson role because I kind of wrote this thing that was sort of one of the pieces that people seem to keep coming back to as part of this dialogue. Well, you're educated about the topic and you seem passionate about it. So it's a good combination um, to be a spokesperson for it. So what what are some of these main arguments that you keep hearing against opening Portage in Maine? So one of the biggest ones that I keep hearing is traffic. Yeah. People are obviously very concerned Winnipeg is a car-centric city. But the biggest, one of the biggest concerns that I hear is traffic. Mm-hmm. And the Dillon study concluded that 50% of all traffic traveling through the intersection, so north to south... Yep. will experience no delay at all. Right. If you are traveling east to west or if you're turning, there'll be a nominal delay. Okay. And the Dillon study f- uh, concluded that uh, during your afternoon rush hour, you can expect to see an average of about 54 seconds added so to your commute. another minute. About a minute. And if you think Out of about, 20 minutes or whatever it's going to take. Well, exactly. And if, you, and if you put that into perspective, like the average song is about three to three and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting in your car or on the bus where you're already warm, you're already seated, you're hopefully comfortable, and a third of a song goes by and now you're back to your regular commute. So it's a really like negligible difference when you really think about it, but people hate their commute. That's fair. But and nobody wants to add to it. But so that's one of the big ones. And it's sort of being blown out of proportion. I've heard people say things like, you're gonna spend twenty more minutes in traffic. And that just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And the average commute in Winnipeg is something like 24 minutes, which is pretty low compared to the national average. Like, right. most I have people, friends in Toronto who have two-hour commutes I every was day. To just about, yeah. I was just about to mention. I lived in Hamilton for a while. I had a partner there at the time who commuted from Toronto or from uh, Mississauga, rather, back to Hamilton, and yeah. he was spending an hour and a half on the 401 it's each crazy. day. Like, it's nuts. So, yeah. I mean, that doesn't re- really apply to the average commuter here, mm-hmm. but that's a big one. Yeah. We also hear a lot about safety. People don't feel safe downtown, for and. Sure. As a woman, um, I understand that concern. One of my very first experiences coming downtown, I had a man physically assault me in the stairwell at 201 Portage. Oh, my God. Um, I was coming up the stairwell, and he, it, he grabbed my backpack and tried to, like, pull me back down the stairs. It was oh, horrifying. And one of my... What time of day? Like, night? Uh, it was, like, after business hours. Oh I used gosh. to... There used to be... This is so embarrassing. When I was a teenager, there was a McDonald's in Winnipeg Square, and I used to work at that McDonald's after, like, right around the time I graduated high school. Yeah. And so I think I was just, like, going to catch my bus or something. Yeah. I don't really remember the specifics yeah, of yeah. why I was in that That's area at that point in time, but I was down there a lot. Yeah. And I come downtown all the time. So... 
as a safety concern, I totally get it. But statistically speaking, we like urban planners and people who study these things have found that increased pedestrian activity at street level keeps an area safer. 100%. Because people are physically on the street. If you see an assault happening or something's going on and you're in your car, like no one's going to pull it over yeah. on their car and be like, no, stop. And if, so, and if so, it's already too late. It's already too late. Yeah. And so just by simply allowing people to be more present at street level, we can increase safety over time. And again, like that's not a magic bullet. It's not going to change things like next week. For sure. But these are incremental steps that we ought to be taking in order to build the kind of downtown that we want, yeah. right? You, you can already see it in the exchange. It, it's a 100%. completely night and day from when I first moved to the city 10 years ago. I didn't go down there. Oh, yeah. And I've, now it's beautiful. It's the best part of one of the best parts of the city to go to because yep. of all the pedestrian traffic. And the, honestly, the exchange doesn't even have the density that we should be striving towards right. in our downtown. Like, I can see from the studio here, there's that high rise being built over Winnipeg Square. Mm -hmm. That's going to bring 700 more people downtown who are going to live down here Mm -hmm. all the time. We need to be designing the space for those people, not for people who are driving through it every once in a while or just as part of their commute. Downtown should be a destination, not something that you pass through on your way to somewhere else. Another component about the discussion is the accessibility argument. I saw a great video uh, maybe a couple weeks ago about someone on CBC that was trying to just cross the street. Mm -hmm. And it took like 10 minutes as opposed to the 30 seconds that it probably should take. And those with accessibility issues or mobility issues, Mm -hmm. a lot of our senior population, like... What is the argument? I don't understand why people <laughs> aren't on that side of opening it up so people with accessibility issues can't can cross the street like a normal person. I think that when I hear people discuss accessibility, and for me, like that, the accessibility argument should just end the discussion. I agree. Like that for me should be just, it should be over. You know, people should be able to cross the street with dignity. And uh, the video that I believe you are referencing, it took him 14 and a half That's minutes. Like, that's insane. It's ridiculous. Um, so I forget where, whether it was in the Dillon study or where I read this, but it takes a person with an accessibility issue or a mobility issue an average of twice as long to cross the concourse, to, or just across the street, rather. And that depends on a few factors. Right. That assumes you know where you're going, which, like, it's I was so confusing. I was down, literally yeah. in the yeah. concourse on my way over here and had to reorient yeah. myself. And I've lived here for yeah. most of my life. For sure. Um, so it takes twice as long, which is not acceptable. They, if you have a wheelchair, a stroller, a walker, if you basically if you can't go downstairs, you rely on five elevators and two ramps. And I believe it's three of those elevators are privately owned. So after oh. business hours, you, you can't get to where you need to go. A good example is the BMO building just next door to where we are. Um, the building with the elevator located inside of it isn't open uh, after 6 p.m. on weekdays and isn't open on Sundays. Uh, Tanika uh, from the downtown Winnipeg Biz and I did a safety walk a couple of weeks ago where we went around to different businesses and talked to them about safety issues in the area, accessibility issues in the area. Because, for example, if you're in a wheelchair, if you have a walker, you're lost. Maybe you have to backtrack. Like The more yeah. time you are spending in what is really a... Um, I want to say like an under patrolled, very like largely invisible part of our city. The longer you're down there, the more at risk you are of something happening because there's nobody there. So there's a there's a dignity component and then there's a safety component to the accessibility accessibility issue that I think is a really key part of this discussion. For sure. I think we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but the education component is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So for those that are listening right now that 
maybe have an opinion, maybe don't have an opinion, where can they find out more information and educate themselves so there's a lack of ignorance when we're going into the voting booths and actually checking that box? So the best way to find information would be to go to our website. We have a ton of information there. It's at voteopenwpg.ca. Tons of information there. Uh, We have lots of it on our social feeds. There's also been a bunch of terrific reporting that's been done by the Winnipeg Free Press, CBC Manitoba, um, McLean's did an article. There's There are a lot of media pieces as well that can help educate and inform people. And I want to just touch on educate and inform really quickly because one of the things that I've heard from the vote or as a member of Vote Open is people feel upset when when you say something like, well, we're not making an informed decision. Mm -hmm. And this is actually a really like this is a vote that could change the future of our downtown. It will. And the city and our our elected officials haven't done a good enough job of educating the public. Mm -hmm. This is a big decision. And one of the things that we often hear is, well, what's it going to look like? What's it going to be? What's the economic benefit? And you know, we're just a group of volunteers. We're doing our best. Like a lot of the information we're getting are from things like the Dillon Report and different studies and, you know, working with different experts. We have uh, former Mayor Glenn Murray on Mm -hmm. Vote Open, and he's been a huge source of information. But it's okay to not know. And it's okay to, you know, learn something new and to update your opinion on it. And that's something that, um, like, every time I talk to people, someone changes their mind. It's actually about having conversations sure. and it's about like demystifying a lot of the things around Portage and Maine. So a big part and a big opportunity for people to come down and learn and have conversations is happening this Saturday. That's so uh, tell us about uh, Open Fest, the very first, uh-huh. uh, per- perhaps only ever Open Fest. But tell me about <laughs> it. Well, hopefully we only have to do it exactly. once. Um, so Open Fest is a free event that anyone is welcome to. You even... Vote yes, vote close, just come down, celebrate our downtown, celebrate what the intersection could be. Oh, man. So it's like f- when the Jets opened up and people were playing hockey, oh, in the middle, like that is legendary. It's, yeah. it, it went viral. Yep. It was across the country. Winnipeg was put on the map because of Portage and Maine, partly, right? Yeah, so let's, let's make that a thing. This is, and yeah, like this is a really, it's an iconic intersection. And I think it's just a shame that we aren't doing more with it. And yeah. Open Fest is an, exe- is an opportunity for us to show what we could do. Yeah. Um, we have... About a dozen local bands who are going to be performing, uh, Royal Canoe, Mahogany Frog, uh, Mise en Scene, oh, perfect. Uh, Red Moon Road. I, there are tons of others. So much talent in yeah. this city. Yeah. Oh, awesome. my goodness. Don't even get me started. Yeah. Um, there's also going to be a beer garden. Um, and what's interesting about that is local breweries who compete with each other are coming together to do, you know, to, to do a beer garden together in support of opening Portage in Maine. Yeah. So Nonsuch Brewing is coming, oh, nice. uh, Little Brown Jug. Uh, they're both in the area, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then Lake of the Woods Brewing, who are about to open up in the exchange as well, cool. are going to be doing that. Uh, and then O'Donuts and I believe Grail <sighs> Coffee are going nice. to be having a snack bar. There's going to be cocktails by 4th. It's going to be amazing. And it's it's just so inspiring to see yeah. all these people come together in uh, in the shared support of this vision for what this intersection could be. Absolutely. <laughs> well, come on down Saturday. Uh, if you want more information, go to voteopenwpg.ca. Vote openwpg.ca learn about it educate yourselves because the vote is on october 24th and it's an important part for our future so take some pride in our city and uh yeah let's let's vote open uh allison thank you so much for joining us allison shane is a local business owner for starling social and spokesperson for team open right here in winnipeg thanks again for talking to us happy to be here thanks nolan and thanks again to allison shane of vote open for talking to us today 
As they mentioned, you can find out more information about the vote by visiting voteopenwpg.ca. Coming up next, my conversation with Melanie Bowden. She's the founder and president of the Frosting Foundation, and their goal is to bring birthday celebrations to children in hospitals. They do some amazing, amazing work, uh, all volunteers. So we'll learn about how they got started and uh, about their upcoming One Big Day for Birthdays that's happening this Sunday after our next musical break. Before we get to that, though, seeing as how we're, we're talking about birthdays, we've got to play an RC360 favorite for you. Here is Eileen Barton with If I Knew You Were Coming, I'd Have Baked a Cake, right here on River City 360. Come in! Well, 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 look who's here! I haven't seen you in many a year. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake, baked a cake, baked a cake. Cake. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Hot you do, hot you do, hot you do. Had you dropped me a letter, I'd have hired a band, grand band in the land. Had you dropped me a letter, I'd have hired a band and spread the welcome mat for you. Oh, I don't know where you came from, cause I don't know where you've been. But it really doesn't matter, grab a chair and fill your platter and dig, dig, dig right in. If I knew you Hired a band, goodness sake, if I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Hot you do, hot you do, hot you do. To River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined via telephone by Melanie Bowden. She is the founder and president of the Frosting Foundation. Melanie, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me to join you. It's great to have an opportunity to talk about the Frosting Foundation. Tell us a little bit about what the Frosting Foundation does. The Frosting Foundation provides birthday boxes to children who are spending their birthday in the hospital. So we help them 
have a little birthday party right in their hospital room without families having to worry about leaving their bedside to run out and get party supplies. So it helps the child, brightens their birthday, it helps the families because they get to celebrate with the child, and it helps the staff at the hospital as well because they know they have some way that they can help provide that child a special birthday right on hand. Now, the Frosting Foundation is a relatively recent uh, charitable organization. Tell us about what inspired you to start it up. That's right. We started in January 2016, and um, it was really inspired by having lots of close family and friends whose children had spent quite a bit of time in the hospital and wanting to help and not really being sure how best to do that. And uh, I come from a family that really loves birthdays and celebrates birthdays a lot. And I had kind of heard about a similar organization in the United States, so had reached out to them to see initially if we could maybe branch out into Canada and maybe I could support that. Um, But just with the rules and regulations that they were operating from, they couldn't expand outside of the U.S. So I decided after sitting with the idea for a little bit that it was something that we could start on our own here. And I really had a lot of support early on from the Child Life Department at the Children's Hospital here in Winnipeg. So that was the first place that we had delivered boxes to, and they really were um, instrumental in deciding on the kinds of things that would be helpful to include in the birthday boxes. So it all really took off from there quite quickly. That's great. And I understand that the the Frosting Foundation is very volunteer-driven as well. Yes, we we rely fully on volunteers. So we don't have any... um, paid positions within our organization. Um, So it's volunteers that help us with all of our fundraising. We do a couple of fundraisers during the year, and we really rely on um, those folks to help us with that, as well as the actual packing of the birthday boxes is all done by volunteers also. So without our amazing volunteer base that we have, um, it just it really wouldn't be possible. So it's been wonderful to have the support from the community here in Winnipeg and around Winnipeg that we do. So tell us a little bit about the birthday boxes. What would be in a typical birthday box? So the birthday boxes all have some common items. They vary by theme because they can be provided to kids all the way from their first birthday until late teens. So we have um, birthday boxes that are organized around different themes. So we have some first birthday boxes, we have a dinosaur box, a ballerina box, um, a princess box, different things like that. But each box um, has a card that can be given to the child. And we have a lovely group of ladies who um, make these beautiful handmade cards for us to include in our boxes. They also include the supplies that you would need to have a birthday party. So paper cups, plates, napkins, um, paper straws, wooden cutlery. There's um, a banner that goes in each box and those are the banners are also made by volunteers. They're sewn together and so they make a nice keepsake. Um, we also include a little comfort item or an activity so older kids would get Uno cards or um, there's coloring books, markers, little games, that kind of thing that goes in each box as well. 
and uh, a sign that can be put either on the child's door or at the end of their bed that says it's my birthday today so that everyone walking by that room knows there's a celebration going on. The Frosting Foundation, uh, as you mentioned, has sort of a nationwide scope. How many boxes have been sent out uh, since the foundation began and, and where are some of the places that they've been sent to? We have sent out 696 boxes to date. And we have a bit of a wait list going on. Um, we have an event coming up on the weekend that we'll, we'll talk about that's going to help us get caught up with our wait list. Um, those boxes are delivered from, quite a few of them stay here in Winnipeg at Children's Hospital, but then we also send them from coast to coast in Canada. So we go on the West Coast as far as BC Children's Hospital all the way to the East Coast. They go to IWK Health Center in Newfoundland, Cape Breton Regional Hospital, um, and everywhere in between, really. We've sent some to Edmonton and Calgary, Saskatoon Hospital, and Sick Kids in Toronto, <laughs> Ottawa Children's Hospital, some really big centers. We, we send them to Quebec as well. So we do have some French birthday box themes that go to um, Quebec and also to Ottawa. So, yeah, really quite a wide reach, I think. We have sent boxes to every children's hospital in Canada, as well as quite a few urban centers that have hospitals with large children's units, even though they're not actually a children's hospital. That's a lot of boxes. It is a lot of boxes, yeah. Um, it's It's been kind of eye-opening, I guess I would say, just to see how many children are actually impacted and, and benefit from this, so... We didn't estimate there being as many kids that spend their birthday in hospital as there are when we first started out. But uh, yeah, the, the longer we do this, the more we realize there's, there's quite a need for it. And as you mentioned, on Sunday, the Frosting Foundation is holding its One Big Day for Birthdays event. Tell us what that's all about. So One Big Day for Birthdays is one day to pack birthday boxes that will then be sent out to hospitals. So in the past, we would get a request from a hospital and then we would meet to put the boxes together and then they would be sent out. But we find we're just getting too many requests to be able to keep up with doing it that way. So we've had to look at our processes a bit and see how can we continue to meet the, the need in a way that we're able to get the boxes out to folks in a timely manner. So we decided to to host one big day for birthdays this year. So we will be making 500 birthday boxes oh on goodness. Sunday. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Most of our packing parties have been not more than 100 boxes at a time, so we're really going big with this one. If people want to support the Frosting Foundation, what are some ways that they can that they can help out on the one big day for birthdays? The volunteer spots we had available are full, but we do have some other ways to help. We are we are actually having an online 50/50 that's in relation to one big day for birthdays because the budget to make 500 boxes is pretty big, so we need to um, help with some fundraising efforts to go towards that as well. So if you go to our website, which is www.frostingfoundation.ca, there's a link there to buy tickets for our online 50-50, and we'll be doing the draw for that at One Big Day for Birthdays. And there's also some information on there about um, volunteer opportunities. So as things come up, we do a big chocolate bunny sale with Morden's chocolates in the spring and we always need a lot of volunteers to help us pack the bunnies and 
get those out to people. And um, whenever we are meeting banner sewers and things like that, we post that information on our website. And we have had some groups that have done um, birthday party supply drives for us as well, and those are really helpful too. So collecting um, birthday plates, UNO cards, some of those things that are included in the boxes. We are always so appreciative of any help we get. So visiting the website is a great idea to get some information on those. And the website, uh, again, is frostingfoundation.ca? Yes, that's correct. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, uh, Melanie Bowden, for speaking with me today about the Frosting Foundation and the One Big Day for Birthdays that's coming up on Sunday. Okay, thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, we're going to learn about the Youth and Philanthropy Fall Sustainability Conference that took place last week. Senior producer here at RC360, Sonny Promolo, was on location at the conference, and he spoke with various youth at the event, as well as the keynote speakers at the event, Ashley Richard from Rising Youth, as well as Tracy Huckle and Jared Olford from the Green Action Center. But before we get to that, how about a little happy talk from Ella Fitzgerald right here on River City 360. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do. You gotta have a dream if you don't have a dream. How you gonna have a dream come true? Talk about a moon floating in the sky. Looking like a lily on a lake Talk about a bird Learning how to fly Making all the music he can make Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk Talk about things you'd like to do you gotta have a dream if you don't have a dream how you gonna have a dream come true talk about a boy saying to a girl golly baby i'm a lucky cuss talk about the girl saying to the boy you and me is lucky to be us happy talk keep talking happy talk talk about things you'd like to do you gotta have a dream if you don't have a dream how you gonna have a dream come true if you don't talk happy and you never have a dream then you'll never have a dream come true Thanks for listening to River City 360. I'm Sonny Promolo, and last week I was at the Winnipeg Foundation's Youth and Philanthropy Fall Conference on Sustainability. During the conference, I had an opportunity to speak with a great group of individuals about the YIP program and sustainability. Uh, one of the people I spoke with was Ashley Richard, a keynote speaker for the event. 
With me today is Ashley Richard, who is the co-founder for Red Rising Magazine and also the Youth Engagement Activator for the Rising Youth Program. Welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. You're here to share the Rising Youth Program with the youth. What is the Rising Youth Program? So it's a micro-grants program for youth aged 15 to 30, and they can use any of the grant funds to support any community project that they want. Why did you find that it was important for you to be here with Yippers? I definitely think that um, there is a big push and youth are really interested in finding uh, more sustainable ways to do things. And I think that there's a lot of projects that they could come up with in that space. That's definitely a gap that they've identified. So I just wanted to present the opportunity uh, for the grants with them. So during your speech, you mentioned an upcoming rising youth event involving some local comedians. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so this Friday, October 19th, I'm having a full day event at Mom Away, and I have six local comedians coming, and they're going to be facilitating uh, different motivational, fun activities and workshops throughout the day, as well as guiding the youth through a rising youth grant application, and then putting on a free show afterwards. During your announcement, you also invited the Yippers to take part. Who can come to this event? Uh, Any youth who's uh, between the ages of 15 to 30, I have made exception for uh, a couple special requests for uh, the youth who are 14, uh, just because the Rising Youth Program is geared towards 15 to 30. However, it's going on till 2020, so those youth will come of age in that time. What are your thoughts on the YIP program itself? I was blown away by uh, just the, I think, the attendance for one and just to see how many youth are so involved with their communities. And I think the fact that they came up with the topic of sustainability themselves really just shows how informed they are. As far as the Red Rising magazine, can you explain how that got started and what that is? So a group of us used to volunteer together at Meet Me at the Bell Tower, which is a weekly gathering in the North End, and we were all having a discussion one day at dinner about how Indigenous people are represented in the media and how we wanted to control that narrative and take it back. So we thought of creating our own platform to give youth the opportunity to share whatever it is they wanted to share in an unfiltered way. If you had one message to share with all the youth here, what would that be? One message? Uh, Definitely um, don't compare, I guess, your life to that of another's you know uh, there's really isn't a race Um, do everything at your own pace Um, everyone's life path is going to be completely different thank you ashley after the short musical break we'll hear from a few yippers and their message to the mayor and speak with the other two keynotes from the green action center stay tuned
Thank you for listening to River City 360. That was Benny Goodman with Life Goes to a Party. You are listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. And uh, before the break, Sonny Permolo had a conversation uh, with some of the keynote speakers at the Youth in Philanthropy Fall Sustainability Conference that happened last week. And he was also able to speak with some of the youth in attendance, and he asked them if they had any messages that they would like to send out to the mayor or to Winnipeg in general. And here's what a few of them had to say. Skylar Ferguson from Oak Park High School. And my message to the mayor is to increase the number of women's and youth shelters available in Winnipeg. My name is Persia Weeb. I go to St. James Collegiate. And I just want you guys to know that you should never stop being creative, no matter what anybody tells you. Just be sure to express yourself in all that you do. Actions always speak louder than words. Kiana, Kelvin High School. And I'd like the mayor to focus more on the youth in the community. My name is El Haji, and I go to IRCOM, the Immigrant and Refugee Community Organization of Manitoba. And I want my city to be more safe in neighborhoods that people like I live in, such as the central neighborhoods or North End. My name is Mercy, and I'm from Techlock High School. And what I want in my city is for homeless people. I want rehabilitation for them and just safe space where they can grow and get out of that state to go from welfare to well. Hello, my name is Tara. I go to Churchill High School. My message to the mayor is to um, give more chances to youth, uh, more programs, uh, more chances for scholarship. Yeah, that's it. Hi, I'm Sinjana Pavani. I'm from Daniel McIntyre Collegiate, and my message is that I think education should be very, very important to this community because without a proper education, you can't get a good job anywhere. Um, I'm Haley. I go to Miles Mac, and my message to the mayor is that we need to give more opportunities for people to learn about mental health and more opportunities for people with mental health to be able to speak openly about it. That was just a small sample of the hundreds of messages left for the mayor. It definitely gives you hope for the future. Up next, here's what Green Action Center had to say about YIP. With me today is Tracy Huckle and Jared Olford from Green Action Center. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Thank you. Today we're here at the YIP Sustainability Conference, which is hosted by the Winnipeg Foundation. You both were uh, keynote speakers for the event. How, how was that? It was awesome. We're really glad that youth actually focused on sustainability as this year's theme. We think it's really important for them to be involved. Yeah, and it's also always surprising to see a room of high school kids who actually are paying attention intently on the speaker and, and who really care about the issue. So Green Action Centre is your hub for green living here in Winnipeg and also province-wide, so all of Manitoba. We promote individual green actions that you can take on a daily basis that just makes everything be a little bit more ecologically friendly. This is anything from using sustainable transportation, like taking a bus or a bike, to being conscious of your waste and making sure that you do your best to reduce the amount of waste. So this can be things through refusing plastic, ensuring that you're always recycling and even composting. Why was it important that Green Action Centre be here today at the YIP conference? 
Well, there's a lot of our programs that actually focus on youth. And so we have an Environmental Speakers Bureau where we do presentations, about 300 presentations a year actually to different schools across the city. We also do presentations in First Nation community schools. And we set up composting on site for schools and help them learn how to compost. We sometimes do waste audits in a school so kids can actually see what's in the garbage that shouldn't be in the garbage and start thinking about things differently. And this is really where we want to have the biggest impact is with youth because youth are the people who are going to be able to change things and we know that we need to change things pretty quickly so we need that action to to really be inspired now. Based on what you saw today uh, and the involvement with the youth uh, there's a lot of hope that you can sense from being in this room. Uh, What is a message that you would like to give the youth who are focused on sustainability our city? What's something that you would like to tell them? For me, one of the really important things is for them to know that their actions matter. And we talked about that in our presentation today, that there are small things that you can do that can actually lead to a big impact. And that's by choosing where you go to buy something, choosing the kind of products that you purchase and really thinking about the impact that they have. So if you're buying something, what kind of packaging comes with it? Is there something that has less packaging? Is it something you can keep for a really long time or something that you're going to dispose of right away? These are things in our daily life that are really easy for us to manage and that actually make a really big difference in the, in the environment overall. And, and these things are also not hard or taxing on us as individuals. We can do these things. We can do these things easily and hopefully we, we can get that message across to, to everybody. And for other Winnipeggers out there just listening, uh, why is this conference important? Climate change is affecting us all, but it's going to more so affect the youth. They're going to be inheriting this world. Um, So it's important that they start to understand that so that they can become proper stewards. Thank you once again to Ashley, Jarrett, Tracy, and all the yippers who took the time to speak with us today on River City 360. Here's to another great year of youth in philanthropy. Thanks, Sonny. Up next, we've got Alan Goddard coming into the studio to talk about Endow Manitoba. Alan is a new addition to the Winnipeg Foundation. He is their director of Endow Manitoba, and we'll learn more about the community foundation movement in our great province. Before we get to that, though, here is Ray Noble and his orchestra with You Opened My Eyes, right here on River City 360. Isn't it a lovely night? Never saw the stars so bright. Love has made it all sublime. Who'd believe there was a time when the night was nothing but an empty thing. Darkness would fill me with sighs. I never knew the beauty night would bring Until you opened my eyes I saw the flowers blooming on the hill Rivers reflecting the sky But in their loveliness I found no thrill until Open my eyes, my 
listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and we're now joined in studio by Alan Goddard. He's the director of Endow Manitoba at the Winnipeg Foundation. Alan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Nolan. It's my pleasure. It's uh, cool to get to talk to you in an official interview style. Um, I understand a lot about Endow Manitoba after learning about it over the past uh, year or so. And But for those of our listeners who haven't heard of Endow Manitoba, what's sort of the main purpose of it here in our province? Well, interestingly enough, Endow Manitoba has really grown as a concept um, over the past over the past almost twenty years. But really, in the past five, we've kind of focused on as one of Canada's first community foundations. The Winnipeg Foundation has, as part of its mandate, uh, this this uh, responsibility to support the growth and development of other community foundations that fall within uh, the province of Manitoba. Uh, in the most recent 20 years, we've seen the number of rural community foundations grow from just over two dozen in the late 90s to now 55 uh, spread across every corner you can imagine. Uh, and it's not, just, it's not just the increase in the size of community foundations. It's also um, the growth of community foundations across Canada and, and Manitoba's leadership role uh, in supporting that growth. To put it into perspective, uh, if you look at 
the number of community foundations across Canada, it usually sits at around 200, uh, with Manitoba having 55 of them. Wow. You're looking at at least uh, 25% of all community foundation uh, movements of, 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 of work happening here in our own province. The Winnipeg Foundation recognizes the importance of, of those numbers, and their job is really how do we sustain and also help grow those community foundations in all the local uh, regions spread across our great province. You're pretty uniquely uh, equipped because you got to visit most, most if not all, of these uh, community foundations over the past couple of years. Uh, what's something that kind of uh, shocked you or surprised you about visiting all of these different foundations throughout Manitoba? There's great question. Uh, when I started this initiative, when I started as a, this this uh, in my role first, even before coming on board with the Winnipeg Foundation, I was I was a consultant mm-hmm. supporting uh, the work of the the Winnipeg Foundation out in rural Manitoba, and I was told uh, if you've seen one community foundation, you've seen one community foundation, meaning that every community foundation out there was so unique that they had to be almost addressed in a way that. Uh, that that respected that uniqueness, that allowed them to be uh, to do their own things, um, to mm-hmm. manage challenges in their own ways. And what I've found over the past four years, working intimately with at least twenty one of them, is that by and large, while they all are autonomous and they all have their own reasons for supporting the work that they're doing in their communities, they actually have far more in similar uh, in in terms of similarities than they do differences just as far as what they are needing what they like some of the challenges and struggles or absolutely uh last year we started an initiative around probably what we see is one of the greatest challenges facing community foundations in our province and that's simply awareness and understanding there are people often joke that community foundations especially in rural manitoba are the, the their best kept secret that they do great work, but people don't knows. don't really know. Yeah. They don't. They're not aware. And so we worked at, at we're working at and will continue to work at changing that perspective. That they're the best kept secret when they really should be something everyone knows about. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be discussed uh, quite heavily at the regional meeting that's happening this weekend. That's kind of what, why we wanted to have you on the show. What exactly is going to happen uh, in Dauphin at the regional meeting of all these community foundations coming together uh, just to discuss best practices and what, what's going to be happening there? Uh, thank you, Nolan. Uh, so far, uh, these regional, the Manitoba uh, regional meetings for community foundation has been something that's been growing, in, especially in the past decade. Uh, we we call it a meeting, but in reality, it's a it's a conference. It's a coming together of fifty five community foundations. I know based on registration that we have at least uh, thirty, if not thirty five, community foundations being represented, with a total of eighty people uh, all converging in Dauphin for, uh, for Friday and Saturday, where there's really three main fo- uh, focus. Um, the first is networking and relationship building, mm-hmm. just getting people who have common needs, common challenges, uh, common, common success stories to get together and talk. We also want to focus on the new uh, Manitoba Heritage Trust Program that we're working in collaboration with the province to really bring attention to creating long-term sustainable funding for, our, for, for Manitoba's uh, heritage institutions. We're also going to be uh, meeting with all of the all of the community foundations and talking about broader matters such as uh, board succession and recruitment. And uh, as you had mentioned earlier, you know how do we how do we continue to increase 
people's awareness of community foundations and the impact they have in their communities. Very cool. So there's obviously there's lots of people in Winnipeg. I'm one of them uh, who's not from Winnipeg. So if anyone out there is listening and is still involved in their community, whether it be in a rural community or somewhere like Brandon or Winkler or Portage or any of these places that have community foundations, how can they learn more about Endow Manitoba or their particular local foundation? The easiest way is to really go to our Endow website. That's at www.endowmanitoba.ca. There you'll find a little bit of a biography and a background of not only uh, the community foundations in your region or even in your community, but also a lot of the great work they do and how in different ways that you can be engaged and you know helping out, whether that's giving or participating on the board or or just, just gaining general knowledge about it. For sure. Well, Manitoba is known as the most generous province in the country so if you're not involved with your local community foundation get involved if you're not involved with Winnipeg foundation look them up as well it's a it's a great organization to be uh to be a part of and to be involved with so uh yeah endowmanitoba.ca or wpgfdn.org for the Winnipeg foundation alan director of endow manitoba thank you for visiting us today on the show i'll look forward to talking to you in the future and we really appreciate your time thank you so much for this opportunity nolan That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us as well. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or if you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend.